The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. What I've been thinking about lately is is peace and ease and well-being and um, that kind of thing. I haven't been thinking so much about suffering lately. Except when it comes up to uh, practice some way to release it. And I think, I think that it's true that there is no greater form of pleasure on earth that can be experienced by human beings than having release from suffering. At least embedded in release from suffering. There are these similes um, in the uh, similes for the hindrances how, uh, about you know the hindrances cause us suffering, and how it feels to let go, to not have that hindrance anymore. And it's just so innocent and simple the way these are described. Um, the hindrances are ill will, hatred, that kind of thing, um, greed, wanting, some, it's a, a kind of a thirst, um, doubt, worry and restlessness, and sloth and torpor. So these similes, this is in the middle-length discourse, they talk about how it feels to abandon each one of these. And I won't go through all of them, but just for example, how it feels to release oneself from all forms of ill will. So you're feeling ill will, you're feeling... We know what that feels like. Somebody made, somebody belittled you. Somebody made you angry. Somebody criticized you or irritated something like that. You're full of ill will. So, so how does it feel to let go of that when it's absent no more? So the feeling for having ill will is, the simile is a man, could be a woman, being very ill and not able to eat. Maybe you felt that way. So ill, just wouldn't, couldn't eat. I've, I have felt that way, and it's pretty miserable. And the simile for um, letting go of ill will is simply, you're not ill anymore. 
and you can eat. <laughs> How does it feel? I was really sick and I couldn't eat. And now I can eat. I feel okay. No bells and whistles. I just feel okay. Similarly for greed is uh, being in debt. A man goes in debt to create a business for himself. And all of the, all of the emotions that go around the concerns of being in debt. And the simile for being free from debt are you paid off your debt. I mean, the simile for being free from greed, the relief of feeling free from greed is you paid off your debt. You don't, you're not in debt anymore. Other similes are used for the other hindrances are like how it feels like to be a prisoner that gets out of jail. Can you imagine? You've been in jail. You've been jailed by your doubt. And then you're out of jail. You're walking free. Another simile is um, a man has to cross a desert. So you can imagine that's you know, an arduous task, crossing a desert. And then he's not, he's crossed the desert. He's back home. He's with his family. He's fine. The Buddha, um, when he started practicing, he did arduous ascetic practices to um, kind of destroy his body. You know, the body suffers. This is where we feel suffering. And so just kind of get rid of the body. Starve oneself. Be, you know, be very ascetic. You know, physical yogic practices that are arduous and painful. And he got so, um, so emaciated that he was going to a river to get some water and he fell down. And it was said that a mustard seed could, only a mustard seed could fit between his stomach and his spine. He was so skinny. And then a, uh, a young girl, a sweet young woman, Sujata was her name. She'd been observing the Buddha from afar while he was doing these practices as she saw him fall down. And so she took over to him a bowl of rice milk. And with her kindness, so this is an important part of it, the kindness that she gave him, that, the generosity, the sweetness, she gave him that rice milk. And he took that rice milk in from that beautiful gesture of hers and he drank it and he nourished his body and he was revived. So through the nourishment of the rice milk and the nourishment of Sujata's sweetness, kindness, he was revived. And then he had an image of himself. It came to him of when he was a little boy 
and he was sitting under the shade of a tree and he was watching, uh, his father was a, a great king. So he was watching his father do a ceremony, a plowing ceremony. And he just remembered how good he felt, just how simply good he felt, just sitting under the shade of that tree, not a care in the world, safe, young, innocent. No worries, no cares, no concerns, just maybe there was a little breeze, but it was, you know, And this stunned the Buddha. And he felt this, this is the way. The simplicity of the happiness of this little boy. There's something central about this. This is the way. The simplicity of having no debts. The simplicity of not, not being sick. I remember when I was a little boy how when I would uh, come home from school I was maybe third grade I had this wonderful dog and I had a way of whistling when I was far away maybe five blocks away I, I would do it with my throat something like that but really loud and and my dog was five blocks away and he would hear that whistle and he would just, I knew he was going to come bounding. I had to wait a couple of minutes, but he'd come bounding toward me. I'd walk home with my dog. I remember the happiness, maybe you remember the happiness of the first day of summer. School's out. Summer's here. There was some innocent joy in that. Freedom. So, you know, the story of the Buddha inspired me to recall these memories of simple, innocent happiness, free of suffering. The pleasure of being free from suffering. That's all. There's another memory I had. And maybe you have these memories. I encourage you to think up your own memories of when you were a child and everything's all right. So I, uh, my mom, this is not the best parenting story. <laughs> my mom, I was very little, four years old. She dropped me off for my first day of school. She said, go on to school. <laughs> she dropped me off at school. So I climbed these stairs. It seemed like the stairs were like going up forever. And then I walked into this school. And I didn't know what to do, where to go. So I just kind of, I wandered into a, a classroom. And these kids in this classroom were big. They must have been third graders. And um, they turned and looked at me and they started to laugh. Laugh with affection. It wasn't ridicule at this little lost boy. So I immediately knew exactly what to do. 
I marched out of that school, down the stairs, and walked about 10, 11 blocks back home, found my little friend, Jimmy Slade, who was not ready for school yet, my playmate, and Jimmy Slade and I, and I just remember feeling so good. I'm going home, it's safe, I don't have to mess with this school stuff, and and get to see my friend Jimmy Slade. I, I didn't go to tell my mom that I was home. She was going to send me back to school, I thought. And we just sat on a curb. Simple, just so, just so simple and happy, sitting on a curb in September, four years old. So when we let go of our suffering... Maybe a little bit, maybe a lot, maybe 40%. Still thoughts of suffering are coming in, but you're in touch with, the, you're in touch with something nice. You know, there's around the edges of the suffering when we sit. We sense there's some peace around the edges. There's some ease around the edges. And we go back to the body and we go back to the breath. It's called vitaka. We put our attention on the body, on the simple body, on the simple breath. We put our attention on the object or our intention on the feeling of metta. And then vichara. We sustain sustain the attention. We work with the intention. We stay with the simplicity of being in the present moment through the object. And we allow ourselves to be absorbed 20%, 40%, 80% to be absorbed in the present moment through the vehicle of the object. Not scrunching our brow to concentrate like a chess match. No, just a relaxed allowing the body, the breath, the present moment, the ease, the calm, the peace to be here. Does that make sense to, to you people? And we're encouraged, you know, to when we get a sense of this, of this simple ease, this simple peace, this calm, this happiness, to make much of that. Don't skirt over that. Don't ignore that. Know it. And, and allow it, allow it to come forth. Allow the happiness, the peace, the calm, allow it to come forth. Allow it to cultivate it. Allow it to sustain it. Allow it, work with it. Allow it to pervade your body. So it's not just simply getting well from a sickness, but it's also developing
developing the, the goodness of this feeling of being well. Um, so this sutra talks about having abandoned whatever hindrance we've abandoned, imperfections of the mind that weaken our wisdom, secluded from sense pleasures, secluded from unwholesome states. One is accompanied by applied vitaka and sustained vichara thought with rapture and pleasure born of seclusion. One allows the rapture and pleasure born of seclusion drench, steep, fill and pervade the body so that there is no part of one's whole body unpervaded by the rapture and pleasure born of seclusion. Another uh, simile, I think I might have mentioned it before, is being underwater. And there are lotuses above the water, but we're underwater, drenched, drenched with this feeling. So, and our life force is like the spring that feeds the lake from beneath. It doesn't come rushing in from the ocean. It's fed from beneath, self-sustaining. Our life force is self-sustaining. So I don't mean to, uh, excuse me if it sounds like a tall order that I'm proposing here. No, no. Just whatever's there, whatever peace is there, whatever calm is there, whatever happiness is there. Make much of it. For your own benefit. And for the benefit of everyone else around you. Okay, thank you.